Man, it's a beautiful day in South Florida. It's beautiful to see every, each and every one of you. You all look like the sunshine of the Sunshine State. And um, glad to see faces we haven't seen in a little while. A few years ago, I read an article about a journalist, um, I want to say it was the New York Times, who wanted to see how long it would take for him to go from New York City, go to Haiti, and leave with a slave. And so he took a flight from New York to Port-au-Prince. That was like three hours or so. And then in Port-au-Prince, he started looking to be able to purchase a human. And I know some of you will say, well, I thought slavery was abolished. Slavery is abolished on paper but it still happens in real life. And before the end of the day, he was in the transaction to purchase another human being. And when we look at this world, and that's just one example, when we look at this world, we find that we live in a world that is full of injustices. Why is it that some of us get to live in a place where we feel a certain level of security, a certain level of stability, but other people have to fight every day to find out where they're going to find food, fight every day just to keep their children safe? Why is there such an inequality in our world that we live in today? And that can get us uh, upset, that can get us uh, furious at, at some point. But I want to tell you today that that's only for a time. Whatever, whatever injustice that you see in this world, whatever injustice that you live in your life, it's only for a time because there comes a time where we will have perfect justice. There comes a time where we will have perfect justice. We're in our series where we're searching for the meaning of life in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes is a book that was written by Solomon, and Solomon, um, towards the end of his life, is reflecting on everything that he was able to accomplish, everything that he was able to do, um, and all the good things and the bad things of, of this life. And as we continue, I would ask you to follow with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, from verse 15 to verse 22. From verse 15 to verse 22. It says, Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before. God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to, to judge every deed. I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward, and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth? 
So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot for who can bring them to see what will happen after them. God speak to us today in Jesus name. And so he starts in verse 15 saying whatever is has already been and what will be has been before. And God will call the past into account. When we look at the situation today in 2022 and you compare it to the situation back in 2002 or 1982, you see that you have the same cycles of injustices, the same cycles of of trauma in this world. There was war back in the 2000s, right? We went to Iraq, we went to uh, Afghanistan, and there is war today. And now we're talking about Ukraine, Yemen, and there's always a constant flow of war. You look at the inequalities. You have some countries that are rich and you have some people in those countries that are super rich and then you have some countries that are struggling and and, and people that are struggling. You see um, food security where some people have access to all the food that they could ever think. They say that on one cruise ship, on one trip, you have enough food to feed a whole city. The city like a city like Port-au-Prince, for instance, but you, we throw away food like 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 it's nothing. But other people can't even don't even know where their next meal is gonna come. And so what we see the injustices of the past are still the injustices of today. But here he says the last the, the latter part of the verse 15 he says and God will call the past to account and the world uh, the word to call as a sense of he will search he will search he will examine the past and bring it to account and I'm here to tell you first the trials that you're going through the trials that you see in this world they are only for a time because there comes a time where there's perfect justice please jump with me as we go to the end of the book in Revelation chapter 20 Uh, from verse 11 to verse 15. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. John, the revelator, says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done. Thank you. Allergies. Had done recorded in the book. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. Anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. There is a day that is coming where justice will be applied. I know right now we live in a time where there is a lot of injustices, where you can see somebody steal, like there was a guy, right? They have that three-strike law where if you commit three 
federal offenses, you go to jail for 20 years, right? And this guy, he did strike number one. He's at strike number two. Strike number three, he's walking at the beach, and there's a party, and he sees a... He sees a party, and there's a pizza. And he takes a slice of pizza, but he's not part of the party. So technically, that's stealing, and technically, that's his third strike. So he goes 20 years in prison for a slice of pizza. At the same time, you see all them big banks, they, where they, did, um, they got caught doing fraud and destroying people's lives, and all they get is a fine. They get a fine, right? So you steal a pizza, you go to jail, they steal your life, they get a fine. We live in a world where there is injustice, where there is inequity. But I want to tell you, there is a day where everybody says the, 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 the death and the, the sea, they give up their, their, their dead, great and small. Right? It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're uh, white. It doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're Hispanic. Eventually, each and every one of us will stand just as we are before the throne. We're going to stand before the throne, and then the books are open, and the books, you know what? I can miss something, right? Uh, if I'm discussing for my children or who did this, I can miss something, but God will not miss anything. God will not miss anything, and every injustice will be made right. Every oppression will be overturned at that moment where we stand before the throne, and we have to answer for our crimes. Now let me ask you, is there anybody here that's without a crime? Is there anybody here that never committed a sin? Let me see your hand. Oh, I see somebody move, like... Somebody move. I, I want to see the hand that's going to go up and say, I have never sinned. I have never committed a sin. The reality is, is that if we go just as we are in front of that throne at that moment, we're all done. We're all done. Nobody's going to make it. But I want to tell you that if you have Jesus Christ, if you gave your life to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, when you go on that day, you will be perfectly justified. And I want you to jump with me in the book of Zechariah. And Zechariah as one of the most incredible vision that any prophet had, I, I believe. If you go with me in the book of Zechariah, chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, he says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan, standing at his right side, accused him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you, is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before me, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head so that they put a clean, clean turban on his head and clothe him while the angels of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, 
Then you will govern my house and have my charge of my court, and I will give you a place among those, among these standing here. So we have a vision where he sees Joshua. So just as a point of reference, this is not the Joshua who would conquer the promised land. This is a different Joshua that would come years later. This is a Joshua that was a high priest. And the high priest function was to go before God on behalf of the people. His job as a high priest is to bring the sins of the people and say to God, forgive them their sin. And they would kill an animal as replacement for the punishment, right? So the, the high priest's job was to intercede on behalf of the people before God. It was for God to forgive their sins. But he stands there and his own sins are filthy. He says that he stood in front of God in filthy garment. What do you do when you're the one supposed to help people but you're in need of help yourself? What do you do when everybody looks to you, but you yourself don't have it all together? What do you do when people want you to have solution, but you yourself are in trouble? Joshua finds himself in trouble, and he's in a level of trouble that he cannot do anything for him. But the passage says, the angel of the Lord stood there. Amen. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, when you see that word, it, 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 it's um, epiphany, they call it, of Jesus Christ. It's a symbol of Jesus Christ. How many people are happy that when you're going to stand before God Almighty, Jesus is going to be right there? Amen. How many people know that, yes, maybe you have sins, and I, I want you to understand, I want you to visualize, right? So imagine you're wearing white. That's when you're born. You're wearing white. You haven't committed a sin. Now think from the days you were a child. If every time you committed a sin, there's a stain on your white garment. Every time you lied, stain. Every time you got mad for no reason, stain. Every time you stole something as a kid, stain. Every time you stole something as an adult, stain. Every time you lashed out, stain. Every time you lost with your eyes, Stain, 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 stain. How would your garment be today? How many people know it would be all black? It'd be all black. There wouldn't be any trace of white left. There wouldn't be anything left. And that's the situation that Joshua found himself in. But look, the angel of the Lord said what? I take away your filthy garment and I'm giving you a white garment. I take away your sins and I give you righteousness. And that's what Jesus did for us at the cross. That's what Jesus did for us at the cross. I don't know if you were here Friday, but Pastor made an analogy on Friday. And, and I think for a lot of people, they went like, "Woo! can I borrow it? Amen. You're not going to sue me copyright. No copyright infringement. He was preaching on Friday and he used the example of Moses when they were in the desert and they got to, to, to a, a source of water and they tried to drink, but the water was bitter. The water was bitter, so the people were getting angry at Moses and God told Moses, you know what, take a branch. Take a branch and throw it in the water and the water would become sweet. 
Can I tell you there's nothing more bitter in the human experience than death? There's nothing more bitter in the human experience than that. This is what hurts us the most. This is what we're most afraid of is the fear of death. But because Jesus, the branch, died on the cross and he was thrown into death, now death becomes sweet. Because we know that when we will be in front of God, we will be perfectly justified. He says, he says in John chapter 5, 24, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Understand that if you have Jesus Christ, there is no judgment. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life has delivered me from the law of sin and death. So when we pass away, that's why a lot of times when we pass away, we have a celebration of life because we know that what our situation will be on the other side is better than what it is on this side. So we are perfectly justified. And that's what happens over the sun. But if you go with me in verse 16. So we have a perfect justice. We're perfectly justified. But if you follow with me, verse 16, he said, I see something different, though, under the earth. Right? He said, and I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. So we know that in God, we will have perfect justice. We'll have perfect justice. But when we look in the earth, we still live in a world that is unjust. We still live in a world that is wicked. Before I came to Florida, I stopped at a conference. A conference was called Urbana. And so it was downtown St. Louis, and you had different seminars and sessions at different hotels across downtown. There's like 20,000 people. And I had read a book. The book was out of the salt shaker and the author was there. And I go to the room um, where the, the seminar was there. She was going to talk about her book. It's a great book, Out of the Salt Shaker. And when I get there, apparently I'm not the only one who read the book. So the room is full. It's full, full of people and they say, there is no more room. You cannot go in and say, I stand. You know, I'm Haitian. I could, I'm used to that. I say, no, you cannot come in. Man. So then I, I, I look at the other conferences in that same hotel. And one was being Korean and Christian. Okay. Well, you all know I'm Team Samsung. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm Team Samsung. I want to go to Korea. That's where it's from. Um, Samsung's from Korea. I want to go to Korea. But yeah, I ain't Korean. Right? I'm not Korean. Uh, okay. Uh, the other one was women and injustice. I'm like, well, I'm not a woman either, but I have women in my life. Right? And at that point, I have a mother and I have a sister. And God would later give me a wife and three other beautiful ladies. Amen. So I go to the one about women and injustice. And the lady who was speaking, she was not even 30 yet. And she was from an organization called International Justice Mission. 
And what they do, so she's a lawyer, and what they do is around the world where there is injustice, they fight legally to reestablish justice. So in some parts of the world, for instance, imagine this. If you're a, a woman and you're married, number one, you don't have a lot of economic opportunity of your own. All your economic opportunities are related to your husband. If your husband dies, his brother can come and take away all your wealth and leave you with the children to fend for yourself. So they would go in that situation and they would fight on their behalf. They would fight on their behalf. They would legally fight. And, and sometimes even her as a woman, she might be the boss of a guy, but because in that context it doesn't work, she will let the guy pretend that he's the boss, whatever it takes to give justice to those people. In other parts of the world, like China, you would see people li li live, leave sorry, the um, rural area and go to the city to, with the promise of work. And then when they get to the city, say, yes, come, come, we'll give you work. And then when they get to the city, they get put into situations where it's modern day slavery. Whether they work in factories, whether they work in other things that it's not PG to say and chill with children in the room. But they get forced to do things that nobody should be forced to do. And if you try to go there as a foreigner, it's blocked off. You can't. And so Solomon tells us, under the sun, you're going to see wickedness where it should not be. You're going to see wickedness where you should, you should have justice, even in America. You know, um, there's a guy, I'm not going to say his name, he's getting in trouble now because he, he talks a lot. But he had said some. He had said, we need to abolish the 13th Amendment. I'm like, what is this fool saying? Until I read, I went and I Googled, and I invite you to go Google it, look it up. The 13th Amendment of the United States, which we say abolished slavery, did not abolish slavery. It changed the criteria for slavery in America. If you read it, and we don't, we don't have time to read it today, but if you read it, it says that you're not going to be enslaved because of the color of your skin. But if you're incarcerated, then you could be enslaved. Which people group is the most incarcerated in America? So you still have level, and if you know me, I'm not like, no, exactly, I'm not woke. I'm like quite asleep, actually. <laughs> but we have injustice where injustice should not be. You have people that are incarcerated that should be free, and you have people that are free that should be incarcerated. But we live in a world of injustice. But we will get to a point where we are, where there is perfect justice. Where there is perfect justice. Verse 17, I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both 
the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. And so, even though we have injustice, even though we have... Everybody is going to be judged. We're all going to be judged. The good thing is for a Christian, there is no judgment. Or is there? You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul tells us that he laid a foundation. And if anybody builds on that foundation with shaft or or you have the choice, you can build with shaft or you can build with gold. You can build with, with, with twigs or you can build with silver. And when time comes, the foundation of what you built in your life, the foundation of what you built in your life will be passed through the fire. It will pass through the fire. And if the foundation of your life is built on shaft, what happens to shaft? It burns. And what happens to gold? It shines. When gold passes through the fire, it shines. Please jump with me in verse 18. He said, I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like animals. And the test is like to, to reveal, to show forth, to show what they are. And, and I want to suggest something to you this today. What if everything that's happening in your life was a test? What if everything that's happening in your life was a test? You see the, the, the prophecy with Joshua? And he told Joshua, if you behave a certain way, if you follow my commands, you will be stand here with these people. And if you want to know who these people are, you go in Revelation chapter 5 and you see that you have the throne, you have the elders, you have the, and you have a courtroom of God's throne. And they look at everything that's happening on earth. So what if what's happening in your life right now was just a test? Can you imagine if you go to school and, and comes um, finals and you whine about the finals? You're not going to whine about the finals because you expect finals. But sometimes we, we whine about the situation in our lives because we don't expect them. We don't expect to be tested. We think that our lives should be easy peasy. And even though we say we don't believe in prosperity gospel, we do hope for prosperity gospel. Amen. We hope that we never get sick. We hope that we're always rich, like money's flowing. And we hope that everybody likes us. That's what we hope for. But that's not the reality of life. And that's definitely not the reality of Christian life. And then so what if whenever you had a, a goal and you were delayed, God was testing your patience? What if he was testing your patience? We read on Sunday, all the cattle in, in, in a thousand hills belongs to me. God owns everything. God owns all the money in the world, all the gold in the world. I, I read an article, I don't know if it's true, but they say there's an asteroid that's passing by, right? 
and that if they were able to go on that asteroids, there is so much gold that it would make gold on Earth be useless. Now, I don't know if it's true. It's just an article. People say whatever they want. But can you imagine? There's so much gold in just an asteroids passing by in, in space that it would bankrupt the gold producers here on Earth. God owns everything. So if you feel that you need something that you're not getting right now, could it be that God is just testing your patience? Because he knows you need it, he knows you want it, and he, he can provide it if you don't have it yet. Maybe he's just testing your, so it's delayed but not denied. Can you have the patience to hold on? You know how many times people are so close to the deliverance, they're so close to the blessing, but then you just give up. But you just give up. What if the detour in your life was God testing your perseverance? You know sometimes you you go through challenges in your life, but I'm sorry that you have to tell you, but but you got to man up. You got to woman up. You got to toughen up. You have to be ready to fight. And I feel sometimes that we have a generation that's not ready to fight. You need to be, God, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is forced, it is the, um, he says, the violent that, 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 take, that take a hold of it. Now, I'm not telling you to be violent, but I'm telling you to be strengthened. You know, when Jesus went to pray before he was crucified, He was with his friends, and he went and he prayed. And his friends were falling asleep. And he told them, guys, wake up, pray with me. Pray that you do not fall into temptation. And he prayed. And what was his prayer? He says, God, he felt anxiety. He felt so, such anxiety that his, 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 his sweat was like blood. That's, that's another level of anxiety. And he said, he said to, his, to his father, he says, Father, if it's your will, Please remove this cup from me. But not my will, your will be done. He did it one time. He did it two times. He did it three times. How many times we pray, we say, God, my will, but that's it. How many times say, God, my will, please, my will, God. But Jesus says, not my will, your will be done. But if you go in the passage, it says, an angel came and strengthened him. And sometimes maybe you feel weak. Maybe you feel like you don't have any strength. You can't go on. I want to tell you, if you pray, if you seek God, ask him for strength and he will strengthen you. Because some battles, guess what? Some battles, you just stand, it says, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you and you just be still. But other fights, guess what? Other fights, he says, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. And then you have to go and you have to fight. The other Joshua, he had to go and he had to fight. Some of the battles, God is going to give you the victory, but you have to be willing to fight for that battle. So God can test your patience with your delays. He can test your perseverance with detours. But sometimes, guess what? Sometimes you get to a dead end. Sometimes you have disappointments. 
You ever been disappointed like you prayed, you prayed, you prayed, and what you prayed for never happened? What if God was testing your trust? What if God was saying, even though you prayed me, it's not going to happen, and I want you to trust me in that situation. I want you to trust me even though everything seems dark right now. Even though everything seems it's not going your way, I want you to trust me. It's the um, old hymnist, I forget his name, that wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Because not one, not two, but four of his loved ones passed away. Pardon me? Horatio Stafford. And then he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Meaning, you know what? God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in this dark situation. So in delays, God tests your patience. In detours, he tests your perseverance. In disappointment, he tests your trust. But you know what's the biggest challenge, though? It's not delays. It's not detour. It's not disappointment. Those are all hard. But the biggest test to pass is deliverance. The biggest test that you're going to have is not when everything goes bad. It's when everything goes right. Because when everything goes bad, what do you do? You go to God. But everything goes right, what do you do? You go to the club. <laughs> right? You, you, go, you, go, you go to the movies. You go to all of those places. And the hardest test to really pass is how are you with God when everything is right? And I'll, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Ten lepers went to Jesus because they wanted to be free. They wanted to be healed. Ten of them. Jesus healed all ten of them. Guess how many came back? One. One came back. All the other nines went on about their business and forgot about Jesus. But only one came back to Jesus to say, thank you. And Jesus said to that one that came back, your faith has saved you. You see, you might have the blessing of God, but you don't have God himself. You might have a healing from God, but you don't have the healer. You might have all these things, the benefits of being in a church. There's a benefit to being community, and you can have that. But if you don't have the God of the community in your life, it's in vain. It's in vain. And so in your deliverance, in your times of prosperity, in your times of success, God is going to test your thankfulness and your faithfulness. Can you be thankful to God? Can you praise God? I know you don't have everything all together, but if you're here, let me see. Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. If you're able to do that, you're better than somebody that's bedridden in the hospital. Can you say thank you? If you're able to stand up and stand up and praise, can you praise the Lord if you're able to stand up and stand up? If you're able to speak, can you say, can you shout hallelujah? If you're able to stand, can you say praise the Lord? See, I know everything is not right, but you have enough in your life right now to give praise and give glory to God Almighty. Amen. 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 So on that note, I can't keep going. Worship team, you guys got to come, right? Because everybody's standing up now. Come. You come. We're going to close. But I want you to understand, I want you to remember, yes, we have injustices in this life, but perfect justice is coming. 
The time that we have now is the time that we're being tested. In our tests, in our delays, God is testing your patience. In your detour, God is testing your perseverance. In your disappointment, God is testing your trust, your faith, and you have faith in him. But in your deliverance, he's testing your thankfulness and your faithfulness. Can you be thankful and and faithful? And I'm going to close with this verse. Hebrews 13, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us with our eyes on Jesus Christ. God bless you.